Well, good to see you this morning. Hope your Christmas was great. Ours was great, but it's good to be back on this very last day of 2023. Can it really be so? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I want to start with a little bit of a story before I jump into where we're going today. And I'm going to challenge you today to look forward in maybe a different way you've ever been challenged before. And then next week on January 7th, we're going to start a brand new series called Inside Out, Mastering the Habits That Matter Most. It's not a New Year's resolution. And I pray that you walk out of here today challenged with a new thought, maybe different than you've ever thought of before in your Christian life. But I'm going to start this way. A pastor and his wife, this is not my story. I finally get to pick on somebody else. But a pastor and his wife and their nine-year-old daughter was wanting to go on a vacation, a family vacation. And they had been searching it for months and they wanted to stay on the ocean front. And so they worked through a travel agent and they located a little bungalow right on the beach. And they went there, they put all their stuff away. They went to bed that first night, woke up in the morning. The little nine-year-old girl was so excited. She asked her parents if dad would take the bicycles off the top of the car and they could go on a bike ride and kind of explore their new surroundings for their vacation. And so they all agreed that they would do that. They ate their breakfast. Dad got the bikes down. They went on their way. They started to pick a path that would go down this seashore, right? One thing the travel agent forgot to tell them when they booked this place was adjacent to their property was a nudist colony. Yeah. And uh, so they're just riding along. The little girl is out front. They make a curve, which now puts them adjacent to their property. And sure enough, here comes four adults riding their bike, totally in the buff, trying to get that full body tan. And as they passed each other, all the mom and the dad could think about is what this was going to do to the mind of their young nine-year-old daughter. Just then, the daughter looks back after the four new bike riders went by. She looked back at her mom and dad and said, did you notice that none of them were wearing a helmet? There's a reason I'm telling you this. Because sometimes what we need is a different focus for our eyes. Sometimes what seems obvious may not be that obvious. And so today I want to challenge you, if you would, take out your message outline. This is going to be brief, but you should be able to pick it up really quickly because you're that good. You ever feel called to more? That's a great question to ask right after Christmas, right? We live in a culture of more. We want more promotions. We want more money. We want more square feet in our house. We want more clothes, more vacations, more followers, more Christmas gifts. But I don't know if you've noticed that getting more doesn't always satisfy. And the reason that more doesn't always satisfy is because that brand of more, of stuff, comes from our own sin nature. And one of the downsides to that nature and our fallen nature is 
discontentment. We live in a world of discontentment. But if you've ever felt the call to more, but the right kind of more, where God actually and uniquely created you and he gifted you and he called you and he set you apart for something bigger than stuff, that's not a bad thing. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, get this, beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. The challenge to us as Christians to live a life, they begs us to lead a life and to live a life worthy of our calling, for we've been called by God. Now, when you think about being called by God, we've all heard different aspects of this, right? Some people rack their brains their whole life trying to figure out what is God's calling for me? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? What job should I take? I think we make that too difficult. What I want to challenge you today with is I want you to think about who before do. Everybody say, who before do. Who before do. I want to challenge you to look at who you are becoming. Not who you used to be, not who you wish you were, but who are you actually becoming? Because God sets it very clear that we are to focus on who before do. I don't know when the last time you looked at who are you becoming. Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Notice there was no do yet. It was only about who. In Ephesians four, again, Paul says, what? Live a life. You've been called by God. Live, live a life worthy of your calling your life, who you're becoming, who before do. When's the last time you focused on who are you becoming? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, for God saved us and called us to do what? To live a holy life, a life that's set apart. We're not called just to a life. We're called to a holy life, one that's set apart. Who comes before do? Who are you becoming? Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Because if you're a follower of Christ, that's who you are. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, we're to do it for him. Whatever we do in our life, we're to bring honor and glory to him. But who has to happen before do? Who you're becoming dictates what you're going to do because who comes before do? And here's the deal. The key to becoming more like him is as simple as follow the leader. Can I just tell you something about you and it's also true about me? You're becoming like the people or the person that you spend the most time with. You tell me or you show me where you spend the most of your time or who it's with, I'm going to show you where you're going, what you're becoming. 
So if I want to become more like my father and follow the leader, that's an impossible thing for me to do without me spending consistent time with him, which means in prayer, which means reading his word. In 2024, what if, what if you and I were more focused on who than do? Who we're becoming, who we're spending our time with? Who's training our eyes to see? Just think back to that nine-year-old girl in her bike ride. What you see in this world will be dictated by who you spend your most time with. You'll either see the world as the world sees it in a worldly view, or you're going to see people in the world through his view. And you'll never see it his way if you don't spend time consistently in his word. It's impossible. So how do we do it? We make it a priority daily. Daily, we open up God's word. How cool is it that tomorrow... You could turn over a new chapter in who you're becoming by picking a reading plan. On your note sheets, I listed just three reading plans. There's uversion.com that many people use. Listen, you can download that app on your iPad, on your phone. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of reading plans that you can go through and pick. There's one on BibleStudyTools.com that's a chronological New Testament reading plan. It'll take you 92 days to read the whole New Testament in the order that it actually happened, which could be new for you. That would be amazing, 92 days. And you could read your Bible daily, and if you begin only four to five minutes a day, you can read the whole New Testament in 250 days. 260, sorry. I encourage you. Because what this will do when you focus on who you're becoming and you spend time in his word, how you view people, how you view the world, how you view those bike riders, it will change. You won't see the world as everyone else sees it, but you'll see it through his eyes. Who are you becoming? Who's going to be the biggest voice that speaks into your life in 2024. You get to decide, and I get to decide, and it makes all the difference. Today, we're going to take communion together. Communion is for followers of Jesus Christ, people that know without a doubt you've crossed the line of faith, you turned from doing life your way, and you turned to Jesus, and you've trusted him as your Savior and Lord. We just sang some amazing songs that I pray have stirred your heart. And before we take communion together, those of you that are home, if you want to scurry into the kitchen or wherever and grab some kind of juice or whatever you have and a cracker or bread or whatever, um, you'll have a couple of minutes to do that as we prepare. But I want to give you three areas to look at today before we take communion together. The first thing that I want to encourage everyone to do is to look inside. Look inside your own heart. It's a look within. You see, it's coming to the table for communion. It's a chance 
for us to do a little heart searching. To be a little reverent. Paul says that we're to examine ourselves, not to discover whether we're worthy to participate. If you've given your life to Christ, listen, you're worthy. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he did that you received. But are you coming in a manner and for a worthy purpose. It's to remember what he did for us. I want you to think of your own life. For just a minute, just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to picture Jesus being beaten and tortured. And I want you to realize that he went through that, not because of anything he did wrong, but because of what you and I have done wrong. You see, those Roman soldiers aren't the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was your sins and mine that he went there. Your past has been forgiven, but I think sometimes we need to look back and look within and realize what he did for us. As we move forward just a little bit, you've spent a, just a moment or two looking within. Let's take a moment to look back, to be reminded that Jesus went to that cross for your soul and for mine. He was doing something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Right before he went to the cross, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and he sweated blood because he was in so much agony knowing that the cross was next. He had your face in mind and my face in mind. All that we had done wrong and he said, you're worth it, what I'm getting ready to go through. So look back for just a moment. Pretty ugly and pretty amazing that the God that we're to remember during communion is the same God that came as a baby on Christmas and suffered and died for you and I. And the last thing we're to do is look forward <laughs> because the Bible says every time we take communion together, one of the things we're to do, yes, look within, yes, look backwards, but to look ahead because the very next time we do communion could be after we hear a trumpet sound and Jesus rolls back heaven and comes to take all of us that know him home for eternity. And then he will serve us communion together. And it's with that, like the apostle John, that we could pray and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. The only reason he hasn't come yet is because there's people still that don't know him. And maybe that's you.
today you could know him before we take communion. Would you just bow your heads? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God, just thank you so much for the privilege that we have to come to a place freely and worship you. God, for those of us that have given our heart and life to you, God, thank you doesn't even come close to enough when we recognize and look back at what you did for us. When we look within and we know who we've been, what we've done. And God, as we look ahead to your promise that one day this world as we know it will be done and you will come and you will gather up all of us that know you and take us to a perfect place. No more tears, no more heartaches, no more pain, no more betrayal. But today, God, for those that may be here or at home that would say, I don't ever remember a point in time where with my own heart and lips and mouth, I turn from my sin, asked Jesus to forgive me for my sin, and invited him into my heart as Savior and Lord. If that's you today, right wherever you're at, make this your prayer. Say, God, if this is all true, I'm a sinner. And you can't deal with sin. And so my own sin separates me from your love and from a relationship with you. But I heard that you came for me, that you suffered and died for what I've done. And so, God, I turn from my way of life and I turn by faith to you today. And on this very last day of 2023, I confess you as Savior and Lord. I receive you into my heart as Savior and Lord. Adopt me into your family. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. And from this day forward, I want to become who you created me to be. I want to become your son, your daughter, that lives life following you, my leader. We say thanks. We give you the praise and the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. You've given your heart and your life to Jesus. If you have, then if you'll take off the clear cellophane that's on top of your self-contained cup, that'll get you to the bread that represents his body, which is broken for us. And he said, whenever you do it, remember my body that was done. Before we take that together, I'm going to pray. And before we then open up the juice, um, if you would, just be careful when you do that. Um, grape juice does stain. So we don't really care about your clothes, but we do care about the seats. <laughs> uh, if you could only hear the whispers up here behind me. Pretty sure that was the voice of the Lord. But let's pray together before we take that bread. Father, thank you so, so, so much. We can't even fathom the pain that you endured for us to be forgiven. 
you took up our shame on yourself, our sin on yourself, so that we, through your broken body and shed blood, could be adopted, could be saved, could be rescued. And so God, today, as we take this together, we remember your body, which was broken for us. We say thanks in the name of Jesus. And he said, take and eat. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Now, if you would take off the foil that'll get you to the juice. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your blood that this cup represents. That you willingly took the torture and shed your blood because that was the only way our sins could be forgiven. You didn't die so your sins could be forgiven because you had none. You shed your blood so that we and our sins could be forgiven for anyone who receives you as Savior and Lord. So as we share this together today, we remember. And God, we also know that the very next time we may take communion, maybe after you rolled heaven from amidst us and take us back home. So we say thanks. Take and drink. This represents my blood that was shed for you. 